Everyone faces questions and decisions that require insight and answers as we move forward personally, professionally, and corporately in all areas of this thing we call life in America today. Hello, this is Joe Schofield, and I invite you to tune in every Monday evening from 6 to 7 p.m. as we talk together and hear from key leaders of all ages and backgrounds about your questions. Interesting, informative, intuitive, but always encouraging. Tune us in on BBS Radio Network. Join Pastor Joe and co-hosts Ron Greer, Dr. Paul Hall, Stephanie Thayer, and Dr. Craig Thayer in Raising Expectations. Well, good evening, ladies and gentlemen, and welcome to this week's version of Raising Expectations. And we hope you've had a great Monday, a great start for the week. And uh, we have had one of those really interesting times. Now, think with me for just a moment. Go back in time. If you remember, if you're old enough, the beginning days of radio and television, everything was live. And the camera would come and the thing would go boing and they'd say five, four, three, two, one. And the camera wouldn't work. But if things like that happened, which they did, everybody would just keep right on going. So that's what we're going to do tonight because we've had some really interesting things happen in the last few minutes. Our special guests, we uh, have kind of lost them. We had some technical difficulties. So we're going to go ahead and have a great family time with you tonight and talk about some different things from some different perspectives as we look at what's going on in the world today, from Ukraine to families to people, but most of all to the living um, expectation, raising hope that we all have in a relationship with the Lord Jesus Christ. So I always like to begin like we do by having you uh, get to know and meet, if you haven't met them already. Uh, some of the greatest people you'll ever meet in the world are our family here. And I'm Joe Schofield, and I'm blessed by each one of these. I'd like to start with Dr. Paul Hall, who you know, who we've asked to ramp up his uh, pontificating and his uh, demographic uh, studies in his mind quickly tonight, because we're going to do some, some different things. And so he's been working very quickly. And what's the key word he does, guys? Yes, theologing. Thank you, Ron. And so he's He's theologing on double time. If you see any smoke, it's just a little bit. It's, he's working really hard, really quickly right now. Ron's coming. Uh, Paul's coming from Lompoc, California, all the way to be with us tonight. And uh, Paul has been my friend oh, for so many years. I mean, it was back before Moses went around Mount Sinai. So he's got some great things. And Paul's loved by thousands of people. And we're blessed to have our brother with us tonight. So Paul Hall from Lompoc, then all the way across the nation, like we like to say. All the way back to Dalton, Georgia, we have uh, Stephanie and Craig, Dr. Craig Thayer, who uh, work, uh, oh, they're, they're the dynamic duo that we call them. They uh, cover the areas of uh, health and well care. And uh, Stephanie knows all these things about helping people know what to eat, how to watch what they're doing with that, exercise, taking care of God's temple, the body. And uh, her walk with the Lord enables her to help people to understand who they are from the inside out. And that's really important because that makes a big difference. And then her husband, Craig, who we love very much also, is a trauma surgeon and also a specialist on 
on health and well care also. So he's with us tonight also. And uh, all the way from Dalton, Georgia, we look forward to our time and looking together into different things tonight. So if we have different things happen tonight, uh, it's going to be exciting. Where do you see what goes on? So now it's going to be. Neat. So we went to the West. We've gone to the East. So that covers both sides. And now we're going to go right in the center to Central America, this great state of Texas, with our friend and brother in Christ, Pastor Ron Greer from McKinney, Texas. And Ron is right there. There's Ron. And Ron also has a special... Um, <laughs> I tell you what, Ron, that is one good-looking bookcase you got behind you guys. Don't you think that looks great? I tell you what, that really did come across looking well. So it's great to have that there. Whoever designed that did a really, really good job. So what we're going to do, uh, we're going to go ahead tonight and tell you who our guests are. And when they get here, you get to meet them. And if they don't get here, we're bringing them back because it was really going to be a special time. If you followed us this week in social media, many of you have responded to me. We had Charles Lingerfeld, who ran for United States Congress twice from Dallas. And uh, also his good friend, his name was Anil Anwar. Anil is a Pakistani. Uh, his father was a pastor in Pakistan. He uh, is a governmental worker. He is the founder and, and creator of Christian Times magazine. I believe it's based in New York. They're going to tell you the story about it and how he helps people everywhere. And uh, so he and Charles, Charles is now his editor, and they cover what God's doing in lives from the state of Texas all the way around the world and what's going on in the lives of people. So um, we were talking with them by phone, and then we had some difficulty and we lost them. So like it was in the days of radio television a long time ago, they may just kind of pop in any moment. So you'd be ready for them. So in the meantime, what we'd like to do, we've, we've been kind of consumed prayerfully, uh, factually looking at things and looking at the world today. We know as a nation, as a world, what's happening in the, in the nation of Ukraine, a sovereign nation that's fighting for their freedom, that's fighting for their people whose president has stood with his people. And uh, what I'd like to do is just kind of go around with our team. We have quite a perspective. You've got to, uh, uh, you've, you've come to the place as you've shared with me to grow, to love and appreciate these people on the team. And they have very good insight and perspective on what's going on. So I think I'm going to start with uh, Stephanie and Craig. As we think of the refugees if I got it right today, it's over a million and a half people who are refugees coming out of Ukraine into Poland, Romania, Slovakia, and other places making their way, trying to escape. Uh, last week, we shared with you our good friend, uh, uh, Dr. Buckingham, Robert Buckingham, whose wife and her family are from Odessa in Ukraine. And uh, I've prayed with and communicated with him twice this week. And they're okay at this point, but uh, what a story it was. And he just says to me, uh, he said to me during the week, it's very, very difficult, Pastor Joe, but we, uh, we're taking the day at a time and we're praying and asking God to protect and take care of our families. So uh, with that in mind, um, I'd like to do what we might do over a cup of coffee in a coffee shop. If we were sitting down, we might say something like this. You know, looking at what's going on in Ukraine today, 
what do you think of this? How do you feel about this? And, and what does God say to you in your heart as you pray about this? It's interesting to see what he lays on your heart. Stephanie and, and Tank, let, let's start with you. How is this great? Horrified. I'll be totally honest. After last weekend, I told Craig, I cannot watch the news. I It's so upsetting to me. And I feel like, I don't want to ignore it, but I feel like the whole world is just watching. I know it's a gross generalization, but I'm disgusted by it. Um, and it's, it's very upsetting. I couldn't imagine being a family and making that choice of like, do we leave? And we may never see our husband or our older sons or your dad or whoever, you know, cause the men are staying. Um, and then on the other side, the receiving, it's so interesting. We were on a plane Saturday night and it was a steward. Oh, I don't know if you call him that now a flight attendant. Sorry. Her, um, yeah, correct myself. It was her first flight. And she's actually Polish. And so we were talking to her a little bit and she said she has a lot of family there still. And that like neighbors have cleared out, like they have lofts or extra bedrooms and they're just going and taking families, people they don't know They're I mean, it gives me the chills. They're giving them all these things that they have as if they were family members, which that's my thought on God. I'm horrified. I know the Bible has lots of war. I know it talks about all these things and there will always be bad people. I have been praying praying most specifically for all of our leaders, because I think that's where we really need to focus. That's who's actually making the decisions or making the calls, things that we're not aware of, but the hands and feet, the part that we can do. I mean, there are brothers and sisters. They're only divided by artificial country lines. They're, they're potentially right, you know, a couple miles away. And it just, it makes me really proud of, of human kindness that there really are a lot of good people out there um, willing to take in. So that's kind of my, my thought. He turned it on. I said, I'm not listening to it. And I just walk out of the room. Yeah. So let me comment on what you said. So my dad said something to me. And again, it's going to be a general statement. I'm not trying to be sexist. We're, we're equal, but not the same. Right. So, um, he said, women are very focused on the house. And that was what kind of her comment. It was interesting to me. I mean, imagine a woman who's trying to protect their family and now the family is completely being invaded by the world, right? Mm-hmm. So, and men con- concentrate on what's outside the house, what the surrounding is and, mm-hmm. and um, the, the world. And when the world's at war, I mean, it, it literally, I mean, I went out and bought more ammo, which is like a knee jerk thing. I'm ready to go, you know, um, <laughs> It's true. But um, so that's my comment in that respect. That I, I love trauma. Trauma is my blood. My mentor helped create trauma systems in the United States because of the riots and all the stuff that went on in the 60s and 70s out of San Francisco. So um, they call it the austere. So there's it's an interesting when I go to trauma conferences, I have to have 16 hours of, of, of training every year to be a trauma medical director uh, to run a program. It's required by the American College of Surgeons. And a lot of that and a lot of data recently for say blood transfusing 
come from the military, what we call the austere. And Ron, I can't wait to hear what you say, because you are not only a first responder, but you were in the military. So, um, but these guys would get up and talk and you always knew they were military, even if they were just in a student night uniform because of the, the canner in which they speak. But we reversed the triage to begin with in the austere. So it's limited resources versus here in America where we have ambulances, we have paramedics, we have ability to, you know, rescue the airway, breathe for them and give them some fluids before we rush them to a hospital. Um, the best fluid you can give uh, to a patient in the field is diesel. Get them to a trauma center. <laughs> you have to stop. I can't do anything roadside. So I'm just going to watch someone die. If they've been hit in, in, you know, the center of mass, I can't open a chest. I can't, you know, do anything. I can do first aid. So they need to be in my trauma center. We're in an ER trauma recess room. I can resist them. It's interesting. So the levels of trauma centers in the United States are one's the highest, four's the lowest. That's reversed in the military, four's the highest. So what they do is they have the level one is not first aid. It has the ability to apply tourniquets, uh, which will stop an extremity bleeding. Let's much your head because it's not good to put a tourniquet around your neck. But um, uh, no, not a good idea. But, but then they can get you, they can get you to they, they drop these ORs, which are a tent that have two rooms and enough for 20 cases, fairly close to the lines of battle. And they get them in there and they open them up. They stop the bleeding, number one. So they already got an airway and they're breathing. Now they stop the bleeding and they take care of anything that's like perforated bowel that's going to contaminate them. And then with sponges packed and they wrap them up and they sign where lot sponges are and they're not done. Then they go to the two and the three and the four tends to be when they transport them in these aircraft that are like an ICU on, on steroids in the air to Germany, which tends to be our big facility for final care, completion of an amputation, uh, reanastomosing the bowel, all that kind of stuff. So um, we've learned so much. I mean, like in Vietnam, the two biggest things uh, that we discovered were rapid transport helicopters and um, tourniquets. And then uh, before that, it was antibiotics in Korea. Um, and then more recently, it's been, you know, they call it the walking blood bank. So when there's been mass casualties, those level one, two, and threes, you get a page or a call on your phone if you're whatever blood type matches the victim. And you line up to donate your blood right then and there to that patient. It's called the walking wow. blood bank. So, so I mean, I, you know, with systems down and a lot of civilian being the military, I, I, I can't, I can't imagine what they're witnessing, not able to take care of. And, um, you know, it's an urban, um, field. So they're taking out hospitals, they're taking out, you know, whatever. And, you know, as the, as Putin's group said today, they're not aiming, the way they phrase it is we're not bombing civilian targets. Well, that, that, that may be, you know, just the, the words they use. They, they're bombing something that includes yeah. civilians. So exactly. you know, just, yeah. exactly. Anyway, that's my, my thoughts. Yeah, I'd say uh, uh, residential streets and apartment buildings, 
yeah, aren't militaries. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> right. yeah. That's right, Craig. Yeah. What do you think yeah. of that, Ron? That they're not hospitals, not Craig, but they're and there's moms carrying their kids, huh, Stephanie? Wow. They're, I mean, they're, again, we already have reports of hospitals, apartment buildings, uh, streets themselves, the airports have been disabled, uh, mm-hmm. a number of issues, and the, the power plants uh, and other transfer facilities. So even if you do have a hospital, if they don't have adequate uh, emergency uh, generators, it won't matter. Uh, there's not a whole lot to do in the hospital. And the other thing is watching some of the footage of, uh, for instance, uh, CNN, I think CNN or CBS caught one where a family of four were killed with a bomb uh, blast uh, right in the street. Uh, mm-hmm. And so the other problem, I guess, from my perspective, in, in emergency medicine, uh, my biggest, uh, or our biggest, uh, most biggest priority was that seven-minute golden uh, uh, it's golden uh, course we have, right? Mm-hmm. So I want to get to a patient as quickly as I possibly can. If I can get to them in the first seven or eight minutes, then their chance of survival goes goes way up. Uh, so, But part of that is knowing the streets uh, and knowing the quickest routes. Okay. But if you have a situation where streets are bombed and you can't get to patients, and that's mm-hmm. completely gone. And that's one of the things they're dealing with there. Because now you have to go back to, again, back to the combat situation where you have medics who are on foot. Uh, and the key then is having enough medics uh, strategically located where you can get to patients quickly. And mm-hmm. that's not the case that they're dealing with. You, can, you, you can't get that many medics. And then I think Tank, Tank alluded to, even if you get the medics, and we do our, 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 our level, well, level four, level one there, uh, I can uh, reestablish an airway, I can stop the bleeding, and I can even, you know, kind of get some, some addressing here. And even put in, give, a, give an IV, some IV fluids. But if I can't get you to the hospital, it won't matter. Uh, so that's one of the, some, of the, some of the horror they're dealing with there. Uh, and it's, wow. it's, you know, we have, it's one thing to be in a combat zone where it's strictly uh, combat. Uh, it, it's sort of like Vietnam or, or North Korea at the time, where you're pretty much isolated with the enemy. In an urban area, it's a whole different ballgame. So you not only have uh, access, you not only have the uh, lack of of infrastructure and power, and now you have the chaos. Uh, So if a bomb goes off and you need to get to a patient, now you have another 50, 60, 70 people trying to get to you or get away from the area altogether, and that causes all kinds of other problems. So the, the, the problems there and the horror involved is pretty much mind-boggling for most of us to, to imagine. Uh, one of the things we did is, as uh, EMTs back in the early days, before they had paramedics, they let us do all kinds of crazy stuff. <laughs> but one of the things that we, we, were, we, we were allowed to do was go to places like Cook County, Chicago, and other places that have multiple shootings and traumas to get a lot of training. And the other thing they did was they bring in uh, film footage from Vietnam uh, to give you real-life examples of what things can be and what they could be. And then we start putting up scenarios of how you would go about overcoming those difficulties. And, and, and I'll tell you quite frankly, it, it's not easy. Not, it's not easy at all. Uh, yeah. If I can't get them to Craig and he doesn't have the electricity and the power to, to do his job, uh, you know, lives are lost like crazy. 
And so the other thing is, um, I think we people don't realize, don't understand, is in a situation where you have a war zone like that, bombs going off, you're going to have massive people injured, both by the direct blast, by the debris falling, by being ran over people or bumped, you know, knocked down, tripping over things. So you have a multitude of, of injuries and people seeking help. Well, if I have a limited number of, number of medics, I have a limited number of medical care, then I have to start triaging. And basically it says I have to prioritize who gets treated and who doesn't, who doesn't get treated. And those that I can treat uh, easily and, and, and be assured of recovery, they get first priority. Uh, the, the person with the massive injuries, and I know this, that I'm probably not going to get them to a place where I can where I can save them. They go down the bottom of the list. We you basically leave them, get them, comfort them, get somebody to stay with them. But I can't spend a lot of time uh, working because it won't amount to anything. And those are realities and situations that's going on in in, in, uh, in Ukraine now. So that's that's you know some of the horror. Uh, I think the world isn't seeing. Uh, uh, and isn't thinking about, uh, but but then that also brings to mind um, <clears throat> organizations like Samaritans First. Uh, I mean Samaritans First, rather, and uh, a number of organizations, Christian organizations, who have ran to that that scene, uh, jeopardizing their lives, but at the same time uh, going sacrificially to to be a help in that circumstance. And the one good thing about them is that they have. A lot of good, a lot of experience setting up field hospitals and field care units, which which are gold in an environment that's probably the case in some of the cities there now. Um, so that's that's the commitment that you have uh, people from all over the world flooding in to help what they can. Help. What a sight! What a sight! What we see in the news? What's going on? What? Um, we speaking yeah. of the news. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I have another my my pet peeve. Um, I don't want to be the Debbie Downer. Um, you only get. I'm oh, sorry. Go ahead, Stephanie. Sorry. No, only one pet peeve. Let's hear it. Yeah, just one. <laughs> there you go. The media. Yeah. Uh, Hello, Charles. Oh, I, hear, I, 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 I had a conversation with uh, someone earlier yeah. today. Hello, uh, guys. I think they said we have Charles on the Hi. phone with us. Charles, hey. are you there on the phone? I'm here on the phone. <laughs> hey, there you oh, are. Uh, oh, my goodness. My goodness. Good I, uh, yeah, I, I've had missiles shooting over here in Dallas from Putin's war. Oh, is that, is that what happened? <laughs> oh, my goodness. Well, you better rally those Texans. We're going to take them out. Send, those, send the Alamo boys back over there. I heard that. <laughs> It's time to remember the Alamo. That's it. There you go, Charles. Yeah. Well, I'm sorry about something. Something isn't working on there. I don't understand. Yeah, that. we Boy, tried good to on my wife's computer, and then went back to my office and tried on my computer, and uh, we just couldn't find the box where it said join a meeting. <laughs> well, so. well, we... Don't worry, because we put a picture of Tom Selleck on and said we now have Charles Lingerfeld with us. Okay. <laughs> yeah, you're good, Charles. <laughs> That's All right, I'm here. Good, I so. apologize. Not a problem. Charles, tell us a little bit about CTM Magazine. We've been talking about Ukraine and hearing from Dr. Thayer. And, of course, Ron did a lot of uh, EMT work and helped people. And, and then Stephanie gave us a real good insight as to 
what the mothers and ladies with families were feeling. But uh, yeah. and Paul, I'm sure has something coming up there. But what we'll do is tell us about CTM magazine and okay. a little bit about there, and then we'll we'll move along. We've got six thirty two. So why don't you take a few minutes here and tell us about that? Okay, uh, I started writing a monthly article for my friend Anil Anwar, who is a Pakistani Christian, and founded the magazine about four almost, uh, well, 57 months ago. We met online, and uh, I got to know him. I prayed about writing the article, and I started writing a monthly article. Then I moved up to senior uh, columnist, uh, senior foreign uh, uh, correspondent, and then from there to associate publisher. And then this last October, he asked me if I would serve as uh, editor-in-chief. Again, I told him I'd pray about it. I did, accepted the responsibility, and we began uh, searching for some good conservative Christian writers that I could get to know and could trust around the nation. And uh, 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 we got acquainted uh, through different mediums and sources, friends, and I have a very good group of writers right now, one of them being a guy from my own high school in East Tennessee uh, who graduated uh, a year ahead of me. He's retired in business, and uh, he's one of our writers as well. Uh, back in uh, 2016, we were on our way by June uh, to hit one million readers worldwide. And then all the news of the, quote, pandemic, end quote, hit and uh, stumped our uh, readership way down to around 500,000. And so we remained there actually until until I took it over. Uh, we kind of slugged along until uh, I took it over in October and began to rebuild. And uh, uh, we've gone through a rebuilding process. And on January's uh, issue, uh, where we featured Don Huffines for governor of Texas, we uh, hit... Uh, 700,000 uh, readers, and that was just mainly in the provinces of Canada and all 50 states, Texas Wonderful. being the number one state in readership. And So, so you have a we, message, Charles, that goes out about uh, about Christ working the lives of people, and, and, and tell us about yes, the influence. Of yes, we about. do. On the inside of the magazine, it, we have our Christian writers who write uh, to educate, inform, and mature the body of Christ. That's our message, and that's the message I want to get across and around the world. We write about Israel. We write about the—I just finished an article in the March issue about the Third Temple uh, that they're rebuilding in Jerusalem. And uh, so we write uh, compatible articles with Israel, the Jewish mind, and of course, uh, in November, I started getting readers from Iraqi Kurdistan and also the nation of India. So we're being read uh, throughout the Middle East, Pakistan, 
Europe and Asia, France, Germany, Great Britain, uh, Canada, and the United States. And, uh, and then I've just mentioned uh, uh, Kurdistan, who, of course, you know that I'm friends with. And uh, we have some people in India who are friends with some of my friends here in Texas that are Indians. And so we're pushing that button to try to get more readers in India because uh, there there's a huge, humongous nation there of people. And it's mostly in the southern part of uh, India where our readers are, Kerala. And uh, so we want to push, when we, when we get these readers that are coming along, we want to push those buttons and do everything we can to develop, uh, inform, like I say, uh, educate and mature. Uh, and if they need Christ, of course, we have writers in the magazine along with myself that are able to lead them to the cross. And Amen. that's the message uh, we want to portray in Christian Times magazine. Have you got any feedback from them uh, about Ukraine or, or, or things, some of the people, have they shared any thoughts with you about where they are there? Uh, my, I have a lot of friends in Ukraine. Uh, uh, my travels throughout the Middle East have brought me in contact uh, uh, with Ukrainian people. And also a lot of Kurds have gone there to the southern part of Ukraine and settled. Uh, and so I know them as Ukrainian Kurds. And, of course, they are our friends. And uh, we uh, are now hoping uh, we've established some contacts with them. And they've called. I've had several calls from Ukrainian Kurds in the process. Uh, when they can uh, have the availability of Internet and phone, uh, they have uh, sent me messages or called me to tell me how they're doing and uh, uh, how they are in the fight. So, uh, uh, of course, I'm going to do my best uh, for them, and uh, I'm standing so far with the, uh, uh, the leader of Ukraine. He's Jewish, and uh, my heart goes out to the Jewish people. That's the next country we want to reach with our readership is, is to develop readers in the nation of Israel. And uh, I have friends in Lebanon and Jordan and some of those other, uh, Syria, and some of those other Middle Eastern countries. We want, to, we want to send the gospel around the world on printed page. And that's our, that's our, our goal. But we, we have to sell advertisements and advertisements and, and for the most part, we do that with uh, politicians, conservative politicians that know me, and I know them in Texas, and we're reaching out to other states now to help develop uh, some uh, people who are running for the House and the Senate. There's a lady who is a devout Christian that's running to replace uh, with, uh, Roy Blunt's office in Missouri. We'll have an article coming up uh, in May about her, a very devout Christian, and we think she should be the next senator from the state of Missouri. And uh, uh, tomorrow evening I meet with a pharmacist who is uh, going to, in uh, April issue, give us an expose of nurses in hospitals here 
in the DFW uh, area who were holding back medications from patients so that they would be on, uh, uh, they would stay on their mask for longer periods of time and, and they would, uh, the hospitals would use and doctors would use the medic medicines that they wanted to use, which would, uh, the medicine they were using was creating fluid in the lungs and, right. and leading to pneumonia and also creating blood clots in their arteries and veins. Uh, and different uh, organs. And so she had fo- photos and videos of it. She hesitated about going public, but because of her Christian conviction, she felt like she had to. Her father's a pharmacist in Texas. She's a pharmacist. And when she exposed them, uh, they fired her. But then later on, they found out that her boss was involved with these six or seven people who were doing that in the hospital, and uh, they fired him and then put her back in his position. So it's like God has now elevated her to her boss's job, and uh, she is suing uh, the Labor Board of Texas and also this big hospital, uh, hospital these hospitals in, uh, uh, in Texas. So... I'm excited about the kinds of testimonies that we're getting in our magazine, and we're not afraid of writing about uh, the political system because my mother used to tell my older brother and me, you're the salt of the earth. Now get out there and make a difference with your life. And so we have to have an effect upon politics, and we have to have an effect upon religion. And so we're not afraid of going into any area to proclaim the good news of Jesus Christ. That's why, that's what we're all about. And so, uh, uh, be it the Kurd or the Indian or the European or the Asian, I don't, or the German or whoever you are, we want to bring you the gospel of Jesus Christ to the foot of the cross and, and, and lead you to Jesus and let you know uh, God loves you, and we love you, too. Yeah. Anybody have a question on that? Bueller? <laughs> Waiting for Paul. He hasn't said anything all night. No, I was, I was just... My my brain. Steph, earlier you said you don't watch you don't watch the news. I certainly understand that. My wife's the same. She gets overloaded. I mean, that's enough. Um, I, on the other hand, look for information. And after I've heard it for about three times, I go, maybe I should look somewhere else for a while. But um, you know, thinking about uh, just two or three things coming to mind really fast, and I, I don't want to you know, necessarily walk back to Ukraine, but that seems to be the biggest crisis we're we're all looking at right now yeah um, i think it's interesting too and, and maybe charles maybe you can speak to this as well i i find by watching the news and listening to the radio that the world seems to be galvanizing uh in a sense um to oppose um what they're viewing now as an apparent evil you know we've danced around that for a long time um but um, and, and, and it comes in all kinds of different forms, you know, in all, all kinds of different ways. I heard today that 
McDonald's and Pepsi are even thinking about quit doing business with Russia. You know, and I thought, wow, that hits the pocketbook. Yeah. That's where the world speaks. Um, but one of the things that came to mind uh, as well in um, addressing this, the, the innocent always suffer uh, with the guilty. They always do. It's indiscriminate. If you remember when, uh, when um, Hussein, uh, Hussein was it? Who who was uh, who was throwing missiles into Israel? I've even forgotten his name now. But they were scud missiles. Scud missiles. And yeah. the whole thing about yeah. a scud missile is you launch it, but nobody knows where it's going to come down. Yeah. Uh, you know, th- those things are indiscriminate. And right. when I see uh, when I see these long, long lines of of people trying to make it uh, to to the western border to Poland specifically, I think, and the the uh, open-heartedness of the Polish people uh, to to bring these people into their homes. Uh, I'm reminded of, and in, in, uh, if you remember in the Old Testament, there was a guy named Joseph, and he was treated rather badly uh, by his brothers. Right. And there was a wonderful phrase that Joseph used. He said, you know, you meant it for evil, but God meant it for good. And uh-huh. uh, Charles, as we think about Christians, you know, galvanizing, we talked, uh, Ron talked about Samaritan's Purse and other organizations, organizations that many of us have never even heard of. What are you sensing? What are you hearing out there in terms of the Christian community coming together, if there is such a thing, um, to address this apparent trauma, you know, that's going on around the world, you know? Uh, yeah. What What are you finding? How are Christians? How are they linking up? How are they talking to each other? What What's going on in the Christian community? The ones I've talked with and spoken with, and they tell me they've spoken with others. And I I always tell them uh, here since uh, uh, since the war started, what February twenty fourth or whatever. One thing that uh, Vladimir Putin didn't plan on. Uh, when he uh, uh, went across the border with his troops. He didn't plan on a worldwide revival uh, prayer meeting that we're having. And that is Christians that are praying around the globe. And I I get messages from my Kurdish friends, my Assyrian friends, my Yazidi friends uh, in Iraq. Uh, even my Persian friends across the border uh, that I know in Iran, I get messages from uh, southeastern Turkey uh, and and uh, Armenian uh, different, uh, and I even get some messages from Israel. Some of my friends who are in Israel and Jordan, and and the whole world is standing with this leader who is staying with his people, and they're praying. Pray for Ukraine. You see it everywhere, whether it's on Twitter or Facebook or now. uh, uh, I've seen some signs out on the highway. uh, Pray for Ukraine. Vladimir Putin didn't plan on that, and it just erupted. And so whether we agree totally with... uh, I have a daughter that... uh, doesn't totally agree with everything that uh, uh, Zelensky has done, and and, uh, and that's okay. You know, we can agree to disagree. But as long as he's there in the fight, 
I think he deserves our prayer, and we should hold him up in prayer. Those are the messages that I'm hearing and that I also am propagating because prayer, uh, the more prayer that we have to bombard the heavens and go through uh, all the, the the mechanisms that Satan would put against us and have out there in the first heaven, all that we have to pray through, like Daniel had to pray through for 20-some-odd days, uh, I think... The prayers are are going to be very good, and and for the Ukrainian people, for the Polish people, and and I'm praying for them because I have some Kurds over in Poland now that crossed the border illegally, and one two young men, uh, one is a brother to a young lady that's done some artwork for me on my book. Her brother is in like a like encampment, an encampment, because he entered illegally. But now the border is open. So I'm going to go back and talk with them, uh, the leaders of the encampment, and see if we can't get him released now that you have all these other people that have come in from Ukraine and see if we can allow him to be a part of the mix. And eventually I hope to get him here to Dallas um, and help him to become a naturalized citizen here because I have compassion for his sister and mother and father and brothers back in Kurdistan. So final summary of your, my answer to your question is uh, there are Christians around the world that are praying, and they don't know anything else to do. You know, uh, you can have all the... Uh, the coaches on Monday morning to give uh, dissertations and so forth. And But I think we what we need more than anything right now is prayer that God will, and I believe God's going to, uh, God is going to uh, somehow, my gut feeling is, Zelensky is going to survive this and he's not going to uh, be killed. Now, I really believe that because of what we see in prophetic scripture and the bear coming down out of the north, we've had several presidents of the United States that have dealt with this uh, demon from Moscow. Uh, and, and George W. Bush said, I looked into his eyes and I saw peace. Uh, his father uh, was a, a world leader, of course, and a globalist. The Bushes are globalist families. And then we have Barack Obama, who soft stroke with uh, Putin. Uh, uh, we have Trump, who stood strong, had backbone and spine, and kept them all at bay, and they never mm-hmm. caused one problem. We We didn't go to war. But now we have an impotent leader in the White House, and and we have to pray about that as well. So Putin sees weakness, and the bear is going to monopolize upon that. And so the bear has come down out of the north, uh, according to prophetic scripture. The bear has dealt with Georgia. The bear has dealt with Crimea. And now the bear is dealing with uh, Ukraine, and I'm not sure that we can link Georgia 
in this way, as the bear stands up, we see that he holds in his hand uh, three arrows, which would signify war and conquer of war. And Charles, and Charles, I'm going to have to jump in because, boy, that is a lot. We could even see what he's going to do with China. There's some emphasis there, too, with the dragon and looking around and seeing what's going there. But we're kind That's of running right. out of time, and I wanted to be able yeah. to do something with us tonight for you. Um, one thing I want to do before we go is um, I want to remind you that uh, coming to you each week is because we have wonderful volunteers and people that donate to Raising Expectations. We want to encourage you, even even when things are different in life, and uh, know that you could be encouraged because God is in control. I'm going to give you a site right now. As you know, I'm going to hold it up. Please write it down. We could use your help. We uh, we need a little more income to make things work. And if you could help us out, this is the address that you go to right here. And that is it. It's raising, it's bbsradio.com forward slash raising expectations. Donation tab is right there. If you'll go to that tab, and help us like some of the wonderful folks that do. Uh, we've got some upgrades and costs and things that are coming along. Some more things that are that have come up. So that's that's what that is. And uh, make sure you, you take that down. I know you're sharing it with your friends. I'm going to ask us to do something. Paul, if you do it for us, because we've only got two and a half minutes. Time has gone by very quickly. Um, I just love and appreciate everybody here uh, and in this group. And I'm going to ask Paul if you would. First, if we just have a moment of silence for maybe uh, 20 seconds, and then, Paul, if you could lead us in like a 60-second prayer for Ukraine, and then we'll sign off. And, Charles, join your heart with us, and Pastor Paul yeah. will, will close us off. Yes. Our Father, you're the, you are the giver, the sustainer of all good and perfect gifts, and we thank you for the perfect gift we have in Christ Jesus, our Lord yes. and Savior. In, in a chaotic world, uh, Father, we go to our knees and uh, we open our hearts to you and our minds to you, trusting you that uh, you know the end before we know the beginning. And uh, Father, I pray that we would open our hearts to be in touch with your spirit and to be in line with your spirit, uh, to know that we are not helpless people. Uh, we have the God of the universe. And uh, if you're for us, who can be against us, Lord? We thank you for that. Thank you for the honor it is uh, to share this moment with friends and with our, our uh, family members. We pray, Father, that uh, in the days ahead that you'd prepare us for what you have in store. Uh, we don't know the future. You do. Uh, but we know that in Christ Jesus, the future is secure. Right. And Father, we do pray for those in Ukraine and around the world who are struggling yes. and suffering so desperately right now, separated from their family members, unsure perhaps of their very next meal or when they'll be able to sleep in peace again. And I pray, Father, that your spirit would move in the hearts of those people who know you and who are followers of Christ to be able to find them and link up and give hope and share hope. I pray, Father, that you'd sensitize our hearts on how we can be a part of what you're doing. Lord, thank you for Charles. Thank you for yes. what uh, what you're leading in his heart and his mind and the people that he talks to. I pray that you would encourage his heart, Father, help him to yes. be faithful to the mission that you set before him. Mm -hmm. And, Father, I want to thank you for Ron and his family and 
Steph yes. and Tank and their family and Joe and his family. Just thank you for the honor it is to be able to share these moments together, for the encouragement that comes from that, because yes. we are in your midst. And we thank you and we praise you and we honor you in Jesus' name. Amen. 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 Thanks, folks, for tuning in tonight. Thanks, Charles, for being with us tonight. Hey, love you guys. Look forward to next week, and we'll talk to you real soon, okay? God bless and keep you. See you next week on Raising Expectations, same time, Monday night. God bless.